It is very nice to be here with you all and I'm looking forward to a very beneficial day inshallah ta'ala whenever we come together is that no doubt just the believers coming together there will be benefit and I want to share with you in to begin here an email and uh, this email was sent to our organization when we wanted to invite someone to come for our program and this was their very kind and very eloquent it's actually quite a long email response to their inability to um, to attend and why and this email hit home with me and touched me at a very deep level and um, I've shared this with a couple other people before and I tend to only share it with people that are very dear to me and Sheikh Faraz and his people and those that are around him are people that are dear to me so I wanted to begin by reading it because I also think it's of immense benefit so it starts by saying and this is a slightly edited version so that we don't know who really sent it I'm actually drowning here your du'as are requested and this individual is someone who spent time learning and went back home to teach. We have started up many projects, and yet there are so few people that can truly carry them. We find ourselves having to multitask and to teach at weekend programs at a new Muslims class at the home co-ed co at the home ed cooperative my daughter attends, at a weekly class for general Muslims take care of children on a daily basis at the kindergarten we have opened, help with child care during the events we run, lecture at events, support and give counsel to sisters going through divorce, marriage, a breakdown, health problems. Each time I prepare someone to take over a role in the work we are doing here, they either get married and leave the city or are expecting children and so have to stay at home or simply grow tired and weary with the project they have been given. We ask Allah for love. We live in a time where very few will sacrifice. The teachings that change the course of our lives seem only to inspire people in the moment. They love the idea of being from those that serve Allah, yet lack the strength and courage to divorce the world. Their mortgages, careers, cars, homes, children are dear to them. They simply cannot live as this work requires them to live. They justify their way of life through giving in charity when they can, attending courses and lectures from time to time and giving da'wah to their colleagues at work. Their khidmah lies in following their interests, whether it be the study of Islamic medicine, designing modest clothing, cooking prophetic foods, calligraphy, the list goes on. These are blessed Muslims, for they are aware that life must be lived upon the halal, and thus they live upon this but. They live upon it in their own terms. They have no inclination to do what really needs to be done. We are in an age when our sons and daughters are being lost to drugs, alcohol, and a long list of other things, and even worse, the actual loss of faith. We ask Allah for protection for us and our offspring. Despite this, no one seems to be interested in saving humanity. They seem to only be interested in saving themselves. We find ourselves in the midst of madness. 
through this work, this impoverished soul has begun, to, has begun to understand the work of our teachers, to give love and to not give orders. For the people of this age cannot do what is asked of them. They desire only to be loved by their teachers and not to be asked to serve the da'wah their teachers serve. SubhanAllah, one of my teachers told me, give love. And don't give too many rules, for no one wants to hear about too many rules. They only want to hear about love. The hearts of the people of our time are weak. It has taken me ten years to understand these words. The people of God that uphold the truth in the spirit of the Sahaba, who sacrificed their homes, their wealth, their children, and their very selves as they stood on the battlefields of Badr and Uhud, as they made the migration to Al-Tayba, making nothing but love of Allah and His Messenger as provisions, as they built the Masjid of Medina with their bare hands, those whom the spirit of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah caused them to declare, may my very being be sacrificed for you, O Messenger of God. This is a spirit that is rare amongst people. The majority are, as Imam al-Ghazali says, like donkeys in a manger, pleased with only what his master brings him when his master brings him more hay to eat. The increase of their wage of promotion, promotion, the security of their jobs, this is what fills the majority with joy. They earnestly work to seek stability in this world and turn their entire being towards this lowly goal. Their world is the Qibla and so their lives are dedicated towards it. They are in a complete circumambulation, their lives revolving around their economic stability. Blessed be Imam Ajunay who said the Muslims are in their graves. 313 men of God stood with the Messenger وسلم, on the field of Badr with four horses between them and a few swords and sticks and stones. But they had a faith that was so formidable that they fought like supermen with a strength that did not come from their bodies but with a strength that came from their souls, souls that were illuminated with the light of truth. In our teachers, this spirit is alive and we tasted it and we fell in love with it. We were sincere and we hoped that we only wanted Allah and His Messenger to be in the presence of the Salihin when we pledged allegiance to this path and laid our hearts bare in front of Allah as fuqara and masakeen, as people that would be in the service of this truth and be as our teachers are those that give their flesh, their blood, their lives in raising the banner of this great truth. We were ordered to these lands to plant seeds. We were ordered to these lands, yani returning home from where we studied to go back to where we were from. We were ordered to plant seeds in these lands. And we were so naive to think that the job of he who plants seeds is easy. On my last night in the city that I studied, one of my teachers told me, if you can't plant seeds, then plow the land so it is fertile enough for the next generation to plant seeds. And so we plow, and plow, and plow, but my goodness, the weight of this task is so extreme for weak people like ourselves. We find that our feet and our hands are bleeding, and until we have alongside us people that bear the spirit of sacrifice, we will have to carry this work alone. By Allah, we have been in company of great people, and because of them, we do not break under this weight. 
By Allah, this impoverished soul feels their support. We are scattered in the earth and we know we need to help each other and bear the weight of this work. We are brethren bonded by a secret that we were given in sacred lands and so we have true love for you. But at this moment, there is no one that will carry this load whilst I am away and so we cannot move from the post we have been given. We have a good opinion of our Lord and know in time this will change. But at this moment, it seems that this is what has been written for us. We ask Allah to give us rida, contentment in what we find ourselves in, for in reality we are blessed to be a part of this momentous task. We complain because of our blindness and lack of understanding of the good that surrounds us. We feel nothing but shame in front of our Lord for our weakness and pray that Allah can make us from the people of God. Ameen, Allahumma Ameen. This is actually a woman who wrote this, a great woman, and a real person who is alive in this day and age and is someone who is serving the deen that in ways that were you to gather a whole group of people that they don't even come close to the efforts that she is putting forth and that if I'm going to think about my relationship with Sheikh Faraz Rabani having met him about 20 years ago I believe in Syria is that this is what I hope brings us together that this is what I believe that this individual has been doing for all of these years. Not only in the beginning of dedicating his time and sacrificing that his self to learn the deen of Sayyidina Muhammad bin Abdullah and to inculcate it within himself, but then to also spend his life teaching. And I can say this without hesitation, and I've been around a lot of the students of knowledge that went overseas to study in the 90s. This was the time that so many people were doing these types of things. People went to a lot of different places. But if I think about all of those people that went overseas, what percentage of them remain standing? And my definition of remaining standing is that they are still teaching this deen. What percentage of them that have, that allowed that trust that they've taken from their teachers motivate them to spend their life teaching it? in building institutions whereby which the prophetic inheritance of Sayyidina Muhammad وسلم, can be disseminated is that they are few and far between the percentage is so low it is embarrassing and sometimes when I see these very friends of mine even though that I love them is that what comes to my heart is I know that if you've sat before the great ulama of this religion and that you have had the honor to take from that knowledge this is a trust that is upon your shoulders, that you share that with other people. It is unacceptable for someone to not realize this trust that they have received and not to spend their time conveying that knowledge and disseminating it to people. And yes, there are many challenges to do that in our time. However, this is something and this is what really brings me together with this man. Because I know this is someone of all of these people that I know. I honestly do not know anyone who has served the deen of our Prophet more than this man and who has been doing so for years upon years and upon years and perhaps people aren't aware of all of the other people that were in the picture but when you look at someone who's dedicated their lives and if I would embarrass Umar, his blessed wife and ask her when was the last time they took a vacation? Have you even taken a vacation in the last five years? Um, Omar, seriously. 
Have you taken a vacation in the last five years? No. Five years, no vacation. Let's see, seven, ten. Which one of us does not take a vacation? Now that's actually not healthy. We're going to make him take a vacation. But my point is my point. This is the way our teachers are. Our teachers don't take vacations. I don't know of my teachers ever taking vacations. Nor do our teachers take honorariums. Our teachers have never taken an honorarium in their entire lives. The way that we understand Dean here, unfortunately, in our country is warped by the greater culture that we are living in. And we have to always remind ourselves of the truth of the matter, about the importance of the Dean of our Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and the importance of the living representative who is conveying that deen of our Prophet Muhammad And this is someone that I hope to live and die with and be raised with, inshaAllah ta'ala. And no claims are being made, but I hope that this is what we share. This willingness to sacrifice and put aside what we have to put aside if we are going to do our job that is before us. And the purpose of this email was not to disparage anyone. It's to correctly assess the time in which we live, where we do live in a difficult time. And we live in a time where there are certain tendencies that are surrounding us that are causing many aspects of our deen to be put into question. And from here that we can understand the importance of knowledge. The importance of knowledge relates to the very deen itself. If we do in fact live in a time which we do, where the tendency of most people of religion is to have a compartmentalized approach to religion, i.e. that they pick and choose what they want to be a part of their deen, is that the vast majority of people don't have the requisite knowledge in order to truly live all aspects of their life according to the deen. And some of it requires deep thought because it gets a little bit confusing. Because what I mean by that is, and as someone who grew up in Protestant Christianity, I know very well what that means. What is left is sheer sentiment. What is left is religious experience at the surface level at certain times of the week. But this is not our deen. Our deen is something that impacts the very depth of our being. It relates to every single aspect of our life from Monday until Sunday, and from morning until evening. But in order to unlock our ability to live our lives holistically, and if you're going to now use this word Islamically, is that the key to that is knowledge. Is that we have to be people that understand, is that our Prophet ﷺ, he is the miftah bab rahmatillah. He is the key that opens up the door to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. Every individual sunnah of the Prophet opens up a door of mercy. And that sunnah is directly related to knowledge. Every single piece of knowledge of this deen that we learn opens up a door of mercy. Opens up a door for you and I to be able to realize and live this religion. And nothing is more important than having living representatives of this religion. Is that we do not want these words to remain in a book is that rather the book is there for the living soul to put them into practice so that living soul can exemplify them. And when we live these meanings, 
is that there's no better way to touch someone else than to live those meanings. If you don't have something, how can you give something? If you're just speaking about something but you're bereft of that reality, you're going to have very little impact upon the person that you are speaking to. But the process starts with knowledge. And increasingly, if we have all of these blessed opportunities locally and wherever people might be, that now that what people had to do 20 years ago, or 40 years ago, or 50 years ago, that things are more facilitated now. Because of local efforts and efforts like Sheikh Faraz and Seeker's guidance and what they are doing to make this precious knowledge available. So that sometimes we have it right at our doorstep, but then the next step for, is for us to access it and to learn it and to put it into practice. And so it is that one of the most important things of all that you and I think about is that how can you and I take part in educational initiatives? Is that the societies in which we live know the importance of education. They know why you need to invest in education. That there is reason why so much of the funding that they receive goes to education because they realize how important education really is. But if we think of Islamic education and Islamic knowledge, and we talk about it as the prophetic inheritance, it is that reality. It's the lens through which everything else is looked at. And the more of it that you have, the more then that you will be able to, that makes sense of everything that is happening around you. And that you will be able to bring it into your life and you will be able to live its realities. And that in this regard, it is very important for you and I to think about the importance of building. Our Prophet ﷺ was someone who built. He was someone who laid foundations. And this is part of his sunnah, and this is what it is that he taught. Tear, tearing something down is very easy. Is that destroying something after it has been built is easy. But to build, it is very difficult. And having been someone who has an experience of this and knows what it is like to try to start even a, that small institution and to get it off the ground, the challenges that are there are immense. And the challenges that arise are not easy to overcome. But you and I can actively make a choice whether we want to take part in building something or we are going to be like that armchair critic who just is critical of everything and that we then take part in the tearing down of institutions that this community needs. And this is just my personal advice to my brothers and sisters is that be people who build. Be people who see the bigger picture and to understand the importance of this work going on. If you would cease to have organizations like Seekers Guidance or those that are like them teaching this deen, what would remain in the next generation? What would happen in the generation after that? What would happen in the generation after that? Is that this is what our teachers always used to say. Time and time again, time and time again, the number one way that you bring a heart to life, the number one way that you bring a family to life, the number one way that you bring a community or a city or the entire ummah to life is through ilm, it is through knowledge.
Knowledge will bring your heart to life. It will bring the community to life, but we have to make it a priority. And from the blessing of Allah, we have access to this knowledge in unprecedented ways because of the sacrifices like from people like Sheikh Faraz Rabbani. I remember very clearly when I was departing from Mauritania and I was making my way to Tarim, and one of my teachers there wasn't too happy about me leaving, not that I was going to Tarim, but he wasn't too happy because he was worried that I was going to leave studying sacred knowledge. And even though I don't have too good of a memory, these are lines that are like inscribed in my mind that I simply can't forget. And he said to me that I'm going to give you these lines of poetry, don't ever forget them. And in Arabic they say, اجعل العلم عذرا للأشاء ولا تجعل الأشاء عذرا للعلم Make knowledge an excuse for other things. And do not make other things an excuse for knowledge. وَعْلَمْ بِأَنَّ الْعِلْمَ وَالْعِبَادَةِ هُمَا يَقِينًا سَبَبَ السَّعَادَةِ And know that knowledge and worship certainly are the two greatest means of felicity. And this is what is going to remain for you after you die. And so purify it and stick to it until that you take your last breath. But if you look at the very first line of poetry, what does it say? Make knowledge an excuse for other things. And you put that in the broader context of all of the distractions that are before us. In all of the different ways that we get pulled, in all of the directions that we get pulled in, you and I must make a conscious decision. Is that are we going to make knowledge a priority or not? If we understand the importance of knowledge, then we will make knowledge a priority. And we will make knowledge a priority not only in terms of you and I seeking it, but also to support the organizations that have dedicated themselves to disseminating this knowledge, that have that brought teachers as qualified and as blessed. And it's embarrassing to speak in front of a real scholar like Sheikh Muhammad Abu Bakr Badi. This is someone who's from a family that if we would go into the details of the number of ulama, that from his family alone, let alone the city he's from, let alone the valley of Hadramaut that he's from, is that hundreds of thousands of scholars without exaggeration over the past several hundred years in this blessed valley, in his family alone, there's hundreds upon hundreds of scholars, of people that have completely dedicated themselves to learning this deen, is that to be able to have access to these people and to be able to sit at their feet and to learn from them, this is one of the greatest blessings of all, if we truly have the right perspective and if our priorities are truly in the proper place. And so in closing, this is my last parting advice, is to put everything in its proper place. Make knowledge a priority. Make the support of educational institutions that are teaching the upcoming generations and all Muslims how it is that we can live the realities of this deen. Make that a priority. Is that the survival of Islam is dependent upon this but I don't want to speak about it solely in terms of survival, is that what happens when you sit before these great people and you expose yourself to this knowledge, everything else starts to fall into place. 
your entire being starts to be correctly oriented. And you start to experience what it is that the human being was meant to experience. And you have a very different perspective then on the way that you see other people that are interacting in life. This is the true life, it's the life of learning and putting knowledge into practice and experiencing its fruits. And it's worthy for you and I to support it. And I hope that you do. Jazakum Allah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.